Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, I am super pumped for today's episode. Today I have on Chris McQuiston and his brother, Andrew McQuiston. Now, Chris, with the help of his wife and high school sweetheart, Jenny McQuiston, co-founded Goldfish Swim School in 2006 in their hometown of Birmingham, Michigan. Both he and Jenny realized the lack of quality swim lessons in the area, and using his degree in finance from the University of Michigan and her background as a U.S. Olympic trial qualifier in swimming, the two set out to create a swim school that was fun, approachable, and focused on water safety. Now with 86 schools nationwide and one in Canada, following its foray into franchising in 2009, Coldfish Swim School is on track for continued advancement with 119 additional locations in development. Now, Andrew McQuiston, president of Goldfish Swim School, joined his brother Chris and sister-in-law Jenny in their mission in 2008. At the time, Andrew was working as a customer service manager for a water bottling company in Southern California. After stopping home in Birmingham on his way back from a business trip to New York, he knew he wanted to be part of his family's growing business and quit his job 48 hours later. Four months later, he was at Goldfish full-time and helped to launch the brand's franchise opportunity in 2009. Since then, he's helped their many locations open through their robust franchise opportunity. Well, as I said at the outset, I'm really excited about this interview. I've known about Goldfish for some time now. Uh, in fact, considered sending my kids there and know many people who have sent their kids to Goldfish and have become raving fans. I think one of the things, among many things about this interview that's interesting is that now they're having tremendous success with franchising, but you'll get a sense from the interview that early on it was a real struggle and they had to sort of readjust the pace in which they were going to grow their franchise as compared to what they had hoped for at the outset. So without further ado, hope you enjoy this interview with Chris and Andrew McQuiston. Hello, Chris and Andrew. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you guys doing? We are well. Thank you for having us on today. I'm excited to speak to you guys to learn about the Goldfish uh, Swim School story. I know off air I shared uh, with you that uh, I'm a big fan of your school and and um, considering sending a couple of my kids uh, to it, but have heard from actually many of, of my friends and colleagues and clients who have uh, sent their kids there and have become raving fans. So So good on you guys for making that happen. Well, thank you. Yeah. One of our successes is creating those raving fans in the facilities. We talk a lot about that golden experience that we provide. So our hope is that once we get a family in, they do see how much we care about the overall experience and the quality of that swim lesson, because it's obviously it's something that we do is very scary for a lot of others, which is learn to swim and, and be out in the water. So we're trying to make it a more fun, enjoyable uh, experience. Now, Chris, you're not truly a swim guy, but your wife, Jenny is right. So I'm, I'm a hot tub guy by nature. So I love, <laughs> I kept it swimming to Jenny. No, I, I lived my life on land. I played baseball, football growing up and all she did was swim. So a lot of this 
the foundation of why we do what we do and how we got into this came from from her vision. Well, she made it. She make it to the Olympics. She made it to two Olympic trials. Never made the team. It's very difficult. It's the top two. So in the individual events, the top two fastest swimmers in the country make those events, and then you can sometimes make a relay if you're maybe the top six. But it's very difficult to get in to make the Olympics. Well, you know, right here in um, in my hometown in Indiana at Indiana University, they've got a top tier swim program, and I think uh, one or two of their folks have made it into the Olympics. Uh, recently. Indiana has been incredible recently. And I know we had two employees that just went down. There was an event held at the uh, IUPUI pool. And I know Jenny swam both of her Olympic trials there. And we were there recently with one of our, both of our older sons. And you can see up on the wall where they painted the names of all the Olympic athletes who made the team. They'd paint their name once it was announced. Oh, that's pretty cool. So Andrew, I don't want to leave you, you know, silent. Um, (laughs) You and Chris are brothers, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. Tell me about how you got involved with Coldfish. Yeah. So when I graduated from the University of Denver, I moved out to Southern California and, and just you know started my work career out there and spent uh, the better part of two years working for a large uh, manufacturing company, at which point Chris and Jenny were starting Goldfish here in Birmingham in Michigan. And so during that time period, I obviously, as my brother, just stayed very well connected on all fronts and uh, learning and watching the Goldfish story kind of develop was pretty cool. And exciting for me to just know that Chris and Jenny were doing this in grassroots style and getting family involved and, um, and watching it grow and be successful. So, and as Chris will tell the story here too, um, as the idea of franchising became more real, it, uh, I was kind of the Southern California lifestyle was wearing on me and it made good sense to accept the invitation to come back and partner with Chris and Jenny on, you know, what is, what it is today as franchise, uh, you know, business to grow this thing. And, it was a scary and uh, exciting endeavor all at the same time. And so I moved back in September of 2008, and we opened our first school uh, in Farmington Hills, Michigan in 2009. But uh, we just had a lot of fun, you know, throughout and learning about franchising. And we've been franchising now since 2009, so we're 10 years into it. But uh, we're, we're really enjoying the ride so far. But Chris, the, the first school opened up in 2006, right? We founded... Goldfish in Birmingham in 2006. So that's was and is the only corporate store that we have in the system. We didn't think we were going to franchise. We thought we'd open four locations in Michigan and call it a day. A lot of the other swim school owners around the country were doing that. Franchising wasn't very popular. And we were approached by a group that was getting out of a family business and wanted to deploy their money into a couple different lines of industry. One was actually a spice company. And then he was looking at Goldfish. So we thought that was a little bit of an interesting mix. And we went back and forth through uh, an agreement where we could either partner together and grow or do something different. And I finally went to him and said, if we, if you would be our first franchisee, we'll get legal to franchise. Do you want to go through that process? Because we had kind of developed the brand in the systems. We didn't want to lose that control. They said, absolutely. So that my first call was to Andrew to say, I think we just formed a new company. I need more employees. Do you want to be one of them? <laughs> And well, so, and so this was after your first location. So you, you had the one location and then that point, in, I mean, did you have instant success in Michigan? We were very fortunate that we did. A lot of people knew my wife's name. We hustled very hard just to get the brand out there. There wasn't another swim school in the market. We're actually in the state of Michigan at the time. And so we were kind of sticking our neck out there and we opened up with a little over 500 enrolled students into the program and just kind of grew from there. So we were very fortunate in a market that was in our backyard, knew my wife's name very well. So there's a little bit of a trust factor there. 
Well, and so for those who aren't aware, I mean, you you focus obviously on swim lessons for I think you know three months up to twelve years old, right? Correct. Yeah, we start early. So uh, as soon as that child can independently hold their head up, we tell mom, dad, come in. It's a great activity for them. Oftentimes we we tell them do it right before you know when they need to eat bedtime because when they leave the program and go back home, they tend to sleep and eat a lot better. And so what's the difference between goldfish and, you know, taking your, taking your kid to, you know, your local community center or something like that, or just getting some lessons that way? We're hyper-focused on the whole learn to swim process. So when you come in, we don't have seven different, eight different, 10 different lines of business. You come in and it's focused on learn to swim. So you don't have to be challenged with weight, you know, weightlifting or kickboxing or cardio, or, you know, we've got this area where we have, you know, some simple snacks, we've got some retail items that they're all around the learn to swim experience. So our staff are fully trained and fully knowledgeable on everything that we do. And so it's not, you know, you don't reach out to somebody in the facility and they have no clue how to answer it. So go talk to somebody else. You know, our department is learn to swim. And so when you come in, you're going to get very good customer service, a lot of attention, and that same thing happens in the pool. It's a four to one ratio, very small class sizes, warm water, and it's geared towards being able to communicate and teach children at a young age versus using high level words or words that these kids just do not understand. We get down on their level and make sure that they're comfortable learning. Well, and Andrew, I mean, this might be in your wheelhouse a little bit, but I, but I think you both could probably answer this. You know, obviously, Chris, you're sitting there, as you mentioned, and you're you're thinking about growing, but you're thinking about growing just corporately throughout Michigan. I had no thoughts of franchising, which believe it or not, is a very common thing. I mean, most people who get into franchising don't think about it until they're approached um, where somebody says, hey, have you ever thought about franchising or I'd like to be part of a franchise system? And it's often the case that people know very little about franchising. Um, it's, It's actually quite shocking how little people know about franchising sometimes before they get into it. Walk us through that process of when you first started thinking about it, what did you do to research it more? And how did you learn more about the actual franchise opportunity that would be presented? Well, it's interesting because you know, it totally flew over our heads. For the first two years, everybody walked in and asked if we were a franchise because it was it looked so systemized and it was just different. And we just kept saying, no, 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 no. It never really sunk in that maybe we could franchise this. So when we first went down that path, we had looked at a third party company to help us put together the FDD and the franchise agreement, put together a marketing plan, an operations manual, everything that we just took and just collaborated together. So a lot of it was just learning by doing, you know, we, the, the company that we used helped us a little bit, but we kind of had some false set expectations that were put in front of us, how fast we were going to grow, what it's going to look like in the first five years. And luckily it didn't grow as fast as it did. Because what did they tell you? Were they trying to sell you on very fast growth? 50 locations in the first five years. Oh, come and on. It took us about the first eight to 10 years to get to 50 locations. Well, I mean, especially because you guys, I mean, for your, your, for your investment, I mean, it's a one to $3 million investment, right? Yeah. Depending on whether you buy the land or you don't, it's still a large investment. When you go into Brooklyn, New York, and you're even in 6,000 square feet, it's, it could be $3 million. Yeah, maybe more. Well, but what's interesting is that because um, I want to talk a little bit more about that whole process and working with the with the vendor. But one thing that sounds a little bit unique to you is oftentimes people, when they think about franchising, they don't have any of the systems really in place. It sounds like you guys from the get go kind of had that 
a little bit? I mean, did you have your branding down? Did you have your processes, your training? I mean, maybe you didn't have it down as detailed as it needed to be, but were you going down that road? We had done a pretty good job early on trying to be very consistent with what we wanted the theme to be. And then from an operations perspective, we're very detailed in documentation. We weren't necessarily the best in the flow of, we just had the documents, but was it organized like a franchise operations manual should have been? No. And so we spent a lot of time early on making sure that everything that we did was documented to then be given and trained uh, by the franchisee. I'll say one of the really cool things about what Chris and Jenny started in 2006, and this probably probably came out before then, was the tagline, where the experience is golden. And I think just touching on what Chris said about you know customer service and the best swim lessons and all that different stuff, I think another thing that Goldfish has is a little bit of that Disney-esque experience where the experience is golden. And that just means that there's a feeling that you get when you walk in and there, you recognize how you're treated at the front desk. You recognize how the teachers acknowledge you and the and then the experience that the parent has. Also, that is a similar experience as what the student's going to have because um, as great as our swim lessons are, there's also this experience that the mom or dad is having at the same time. Uh, but that tagline has stayed and it's been around for 13 years and we really think it fits so well. We have not done a major brand overhaul or much changing to what we've done. We've just fine-tuned it and honed it over the years, but just perfecting it and making it that much better so it resonates with our members. No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think you hit on some very important points. Obviously, when 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 moms and dads are dropping their kids off, they're trusting their kids in water with with your people, right? I mean, so that's there, there's a big trust factor there. I also know too is you know with my own kids and with others is you know when kids come in, the more comfortable they feel, the easier they're going to adapt to taking the lessons at the outset. I got to think that was that was top of mind when you guys were developing this concept, right? Oh, absolutely. It was interesting because we did not have any kids when we opened up Goldfish. And so a lot of our policies and the way that we operated wasn't with a parent in mind. And then once we had children, we started realizing that they do take naps. They're going to sleep through their lesson time. They're going to want to make up. Uh, they're going to cry. It just doesn't, it doesn't work cookie cutter like we thought it did. And so we were able to, to, to form the business more around what is a true experience of a parent bringing a child into a learn to swim school when you had to get the suit on and then you had to hang out for a little bit, then you had to swim, then you had to shower and kind of the coming in and then the coming out. It's not as simple as other businesses where you just take your shoes off and just go bounce around for a little bit, then, then come back out. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of time before and after getting in the pool, right? So you have to account for that from a business perspective, I would think in terms of how much you charge and, and, and those sorts of metrics. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of what we try to do is we want to be, the high-end and premier learn-to-swim brand, but without gouging families because we don't want to exclude every single family. We know that we will because there's just prices uh, just will exclude some families from being able to come to our facilities. But our goal wasn't to be like, listen, we only care about the top tier of income earners in our markets. That's not the way that it should work. And so what we've done recently is partnered with the USA Swimming Foundation to help give money to them because they fill the gap for us and they teach swim lessons in areas where we may not be and we serve the underprivileged to, to give them the opportunity to find safety when they're in the water. And so you guys have, it's an indoor concept. So even in the summertime when people are coming to lessons, they're coming to your indoor pool. Is there any concept that has an outdoor component to it? Right now, no. The reason we like the indoor pools is because we have the controlled environment. So it's always going to be 90 degrees pool temp, always going to be 92. There's not going to be wind or sun or weather. We're always open. Wind, 
rain, lightning, you know, thunder, all of that. Where you're outdoors, you're so much more at the mercy of the uh, the environment and the weather. So, Andrew, you come in in 2000, you know, 2008, 2009 with the idea of franchising. And let me just guess, there were no hiccups. There was no problems. Everything just went smooth as smooth as it can be, right? Yeah, it was it was flawless. There was no issues whatsoever. <laughs> Talk a little bit about maybe a couple of the challenges that 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 you've experienced. And I and, and I asked that because it's powerful to share those stories with the audience because yeah. people listening are thinking about doing the same things. And so I think them having and hearing the experience of others, I think, is really beneficial. Yeah. So I, just two quick things. Um, family business is hard to start. So when we first started, Chris and I did everything together. So he had the, he had the prior years of experience in running the one and only corporate location that we have. And I didn't have any of that. So I spent probably the first six months or more literally teaching some lessons and having enrolled students in my classes and then working the front desk and working as a deck supervisor and trying to understand the business. And then once I kind of got some of that under my, uh, under my belt, then kind of worked in a sales capacity, but there was a lot of things that we worked on together and it didn't work well that way because we were, you know, as brothers and close, but also competitive, we were at each other's throats at times. Um, but I will say the saving grace for us was the ability to grow the business and finally have some more traction because it made us, we had to then divide and conquer. Uh, and, and then at the end of the day, and as with all relationships with Chris and I, but also with our franchisees, there's got to be a baseline trust there that you're going to work uh, your tail off to get the job done and, you know, be uh, best in class in everything that you do. Um, so that was one thing I think, you know, anybody that's in family business gets what I'm saying, um, is that it's really challenging, but now we've, you know, we've got, uh, it's myself, Chris and his wife, Jenny, uh, still operating the business, but we've got 48 other employees here at our, our home office. Um, and we've got a, one thing that we're really, really proud of is our culture, uh, and living out our core values in the office here. Um, and that's something that's taken us a long time to really work on, but it's a daily um, habit that we work on and, and hone in. Another thing that was interesting in the beginning, and you brought this up as far as, you know, corporate versus franchise, when we started, the growth on the franchise side was so slow because of course, you know, like Chris mentioned, there was this illusion that we were going to have 50 locations in five years. And when we opened up our first location in 09 and opened no schools or had no leads in 2010, we actually went to market looking to open some corporate locations of our own because we just thought franchising wouldn't work. So there was debate back in the day of just completely abolishing franchising, having only one franchise. So how'd you turn the corner? I mean, how'd you turn that corner? Just a matter of time, to be honest with you. We had our initial franchisees. Their businesses were successful. They were surrounded by other <clears throat> successful business owners that thought, hey, let me get into a, an environment where our, our business is not a fad. So learning to swim is not a fad. It's a requirement of mom and dad for their children to learn to swim. We've got a little bit of an Amazon proof effect. And so they like the fact that there's large barriers to entry. I'm getting into a business that's not a fad. Amazon's not going to come in and just gobble me up. And so it just was a matter of time when everybody else that was waiting on the sidelines to see if these first couple would be successful or not, they finally started meeting with us and saw and talked to those franchisees about their numbers and economics. And it just made sense. So I think... The story there um, for, you know, new and emerging franchise ors is that patience really is a virtue and staying the course and working hard and being committed to the, to, you know, I think we should, we probably should never have even thought about the corporate locations, although it was a good, you know, uh, test for us back then, but I'm glad that we stuck with franchising uh, and it's been able to give us the opportunity to focus hundred percent on making our franchisees successful. And that relationship between us and the franchisee is so important. 
So we well, and I think too. I mean, I'm going to venture to say that had and this might be bold. You might you might disagree with this. I'd be curious your thoughts. But I think had you grown as fast as you had hoped, you might not still be around because I'm not sure that you would have had the operational uh, foundation or structure to support it. I've seen that time and time again where people focus so much on the growth and they just think, oh, we'll just figure it out. But the, it's actually the growth that happens too fast that kills them because they can't, they don't have the, the, the back end support to support the franchisees. And then they get very frustrated and then the whole thing just goes kaput. Well, I think a lot of what we did is we were able to make decisions and stand firm to our beliefs where if we grew way too fast, we brought a bunch of people on board that maybe had a lot of franchise experience. We would have had a lot of communication to us about how we should do it, how we should think. Let's do that. We would have made probably a lot more concessions than we did. And so the thing for us, which I think is important is we were able to stand firm and our beliefs and our values that we want to do the right thing. And sometimes the right thing takes time. So somebody mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was Andrew or Chris, but you had mentioned about, you know, depending on whether somebody buys a real estate or not. I mean, are, what's your preferred model for expanding? Is your preferred model that people find? Because I've seen, I know in Carmel, here in Carmel in Indiana, you're in more of a traditional retail center, but it sounds like you've got locations that the franchisees own the land as well as the franchise. Is that right? So yes, we have 89 locations open today. Less than a half a dozen actually own the dirt. And so it's one of those where that would be ideal because then it would be cookie cutter. We could build the exact same thing and stamp it out. It's costly. It takes time for us. We're looking to get to market as quickly as we can and have some visibility. And so when they look to buy the real estate, a lot of times that's not on the corner of Maine and Maine or very visible. So not only is it expensive, but you don't have signage where the majority of the cars are driving. So we're, we're not as focused on buying and acquiring land anymore. So how big are these locations? We're going smaller. We have 6,000 square feet on our mind. Most of our facilities fall in that eight to 10,000 square foot range. That's, that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the interesting thing, and, and, and you know this obviously from being involved for so long, but, you know, the difference between a thousand or a couple thousand square feet here and there can make a huge difference, not only for you uh, and attracting people, but also for the franchisees in terms of the rents that they're paying and so forth. Well, yeah, as we go smaller, what it allows us to do is enter markets that we couldn't previously. It just became too expensive. And we're starting to redesign the interior of our space to not kill the amount of kids coming through our program, still have a large amount of kids coming through, but you don't have an extra thousand square foot of rent, utility costs, debt coverage, everything. But what do you get rid of? I'm just curious with your concept. I mean, are you getting like, is there a retail component that maybe you're shrinking down? Because obviously you, you, you're not going to shrink down the pool, right? I don't think. Um, no, pool stays the same size. A lot of areas that just don't make us money. There's a lot of storage that we've become a little bit more creative with. We have the facilities where they, we have a little, we have less restrooms and less change rooms, but that doesn't mean that parents are standing much longer. We're able to, to run our classes to make sure that as kids are getting out to shower, then to change. And then the new kids are coming in, it's offset a little bit so that we don't have too much standing around waiting for space. So who's the ideal franchisee for this model? I mean, I know that every franchise is willing to consider lots of different people. And so I think there's a general component to it. But I mean, if you had your hand pick of who's going to come in and be a franchisee, number, number one, you know, who is that type of person? Number two, are you looking for people to come in and buy a single location? Or are you more interested in multi-unit operators? 
Our preference is multi-unit operators where somebody might come in and go to Omaha, Nebraska, and they want to develop all four versus having four different franchisees come in. There's economics from, for both parties in that scenario. And really our franchisee in a perfect world, and we've seen a, a bunch of different scenarios, an owner operator that builds a team locally, they live in that market, they've grown up in that market, they know it very well. They want to be the person that operates number one, passes it to a GM for number two and so on, builds a team around that. They've got operate with a high level of integrity, compassion, trust. They need to be well capitalized. And if they've run a previous business before or been a, a CEO or a top executive in a business where they understand operations and sales and marketing, that definitely helps. Well, one of the things that I'm really interested in about you guys and 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 I like is that I think I read somewhere that you've now um, invested in, in a new headquarters, which in and of itself is, is great for the business. But what I like about that is it sounds like in part you're doing that because you're also doubling down on your training and continuing to improve on the training and the skills um, that you're helping uh, franchisees with. Maybe Andrew or, or both of you, Andrew and Chris, if you guys can talk about that, that'd be great. Yeah. So um, we spent the last 10 years bopping around to different you know, lease spaces and so on and so forth. And it was really challenging not having a place to call home. So we're fortunate enough last year, we moved into this 16,000 square foot space that uh, is totally custom tailored to what we want it to be from a corporate uh, culture perspective, a place that our employees love to come work and service our franchisees, but also a place that we bring franchisees and managers and owners back monthly for our trainings that we have that are 22 days long. Uh, and we've got a you know, 40 to 50 person training room. We just actually finished a few months ago, our corporate pool. So we've got our a pool and pump room training center so that we can do everything on site here instead of having to go to a franchise location. So it cuts down on the time it takes to train franchisees. We can do live streaming uh, training in our back pump room. So there's so many benefits to the training that we have here. And it's also something that Chris and I were just talking about this morning. Training is so top of mind for us because that really is the uh, the connection between us and the franchisees to make them better. And ongoing training is a big focus for us as we get into the rest of this year and in 2020. So that's something that we know that needs to be, um, you know, best in class along with our customer service. And, and that's all part of Goldfish University, right? Exactly. Yep. So we've got I don't, th- a- I don't think a franchise or is going to ever be successful if they don't have the proper training. We're a mass franchise ors are a massive, we, we're a data aggregator, right? So we ask franchisees what's working, what's not working. We aggregate that data here to then spit out the the processes, the systems, the technology. How do we make life easier for our franchisees? Our job is to train them and provide them those resources. And so you guys have 89 open, but don't you have another 119 or 120 that are already signed off and in the works on top of that? Yes. Our goal is we're running at a clip of about 25 to 30 locations per year opening. Our goal is to get to about 50 locations per year. And that, and, and, and I think that's a, such an important thing because obviously that was the goal from the start and it didn't happen that fast. But now that you guys did it slow and deliberately and you were particular, you know, you just, you just didn't allow anybody to come in and, and operate a franchise. Now, just a few years later than you had anticipated, now you're close to reaching that goal of 50 a year, but you're positioned for it. You're well positioned for it, which I think is a great lesson for folks. Well, it's one of those where you talk about slow and steady wins the race. And I think that's true in this scenario where we took our time and we got the foundation set up. We brought great people on here. We had great franchisees that were able to take the vision and the systems and execute because that's what a great franchise brand is all about is you, you have a franchisor that develops, but then you need the franchisee to execute. 
they're not just going to, you know, open up and take the operations manual and, and it just works itself out. It just, it's not, this business is not mailbox income. And so we need good franchisees that want to build a brand with the franchisor and, and exercise the systems. Yeah. And I think the really cool part about just that the growth story is that it took us until September of 2017 to hit our 50 location number of open schools. And then just this past year, a few months ago, rather, we hit our 89th location. So we opened 40 schools in the two year period. And the other you know, cool piece that is a year ago, we had 23 employees working in our headquarters here and today we've got 50. So we're really just ramping up for the growth. And, and like Chris said, one of the things is just to do the right thing and service the franchisees. And we believe that we're doing that in every sense of the word. Well, if you want to learn more about uh, Goldfish Swim School, just go to Instagram at Goldfish Swim School or to their website, goldfishswimschool.com or on Facebook under Goldfish Swim School. Thank you guys, Chris, Andrew, for, for coming on here. Um, and certainly thank you to Jenny as well, because obviously this wouldn't this, this wouldn't be what it is without her um, as Absolutely. well. Anything else you guys want to add before we finish up? No, I think, you know, the only thing that we wanted to mention was, one, Josh, we appreciate you having us on the show. This is something that's important for us is to hopefully spread not only that this is a business, but it's a business about saving children's lives. And so, you know, with with what we do and then our partnership with the USA Swimming Foundation, we hope that people can just see value in what we do is good for the communities and we're growing jobs and saving lives. Well, I say continue the good work. Like I was surprised it was sort of interesting when I first learned about you guys, it was several years ago and I actually just by your branding and by the way that it looked and what I would hear about it, I for sure thought that you guys were much bigger than you actually were at the time, but that's a compliment. That's a compliment to how you guys run things so continue in that vein and i wish you guys nothing but the best of luck well we greatly appreciate it and we're thankful to be on this show and we obviously want you to be successful as well so if there's anything we can do to help please reach out thank you so much Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. You will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says Ratings and Reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.